friends of the table, he is risen. It's so, so good to be with you. A huge thank you to um, Gary and Mindy, Jacob's working behind the scenes um, to do all of our tech. And uh, Ryan Bayron has put together that video and uh, there'll be one later. And um, yeah, just really, really grateful. And Karen, who's doing our welcome and everything. So um, it's, yeah, it's just so, so good to be with you all. I say it every week. I wish I could just hug your beautiful faces. <laughs> Is that possible to hug a face? I don't know. But um, yeah, I do. I miss y'all, but it's so good to be together. My heart um, is so full. I can see the comments on the side and just to like interact a little bit and connect is um, just so, so good. Um, so thank you for being with us. I know there's a few folks who are, this is their first time joining us. So welcome. Uh, really, really glad to have you. And um, yeah, so let's jump right in. So the title of my message uh, this Easter Sunday, as Karen mentioned, the first table Easter Sunday uh, is uh, prepare to be surprised. Prepare to be surprised. And I'd like to begin uh, with a few different readings from the Gospels. Um, this first one is going to be from John chapter 20. So for those familiar with the Bible, there's four Gospels, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. We're going to be reading from uh, just three of them. Uh, so first John 20 verses one through two says early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved uh, and said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they have put him. Uh, the next text, this is um, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24, verses 9 through 11. When they came back from the tomb, they told all of these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, uh, Joanna, Mo Mary, the mother of James, uh, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women because... Their words seemed to them like nonsense. <laughs> and then one final passage. This is Matthew chapter 28, uh, verses 16 and 17. It's short and sweet. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshiped him. But some doubted. And I love, uh, I mean, I love all those stories, but that last, this last passage from Matthew in particular, because um, notice these are not people hearing secondhand uh, about the risen Jesus and then being, you know, a little bit skeptical. Uh, they are actually seeing the risen Jesus. And <laughs> they're like, no, it, it can't be. And in other words, what strikes us about these gospel passages uh, are not the people's great faith, correct? I mean, here's what you don't hear in the accounts above that we just read. Uh, we don't hear, and they came to the empty tomb, and they said, well, there you have it, just like he said, I shouldn't have doubted. Here I've been twisting myself up into emotional knots for the last three days, all for nothing. He is risen. No, 
No, instead, they are hesitant and downright uh, skeptical. And here's the truth. I, too, am a skeptic. Now, it's partly personality, but it's also partly due to the atmosphere of the culture I have spent my life within. I am a child of the West, of Western culture, and specifically uh, of something that happened a few hundred years ago, but we continue to feel its ripple effects called the Western Enlightenment. Now, by enlightenment, I don't mean the Eastern concept of, you know, becoming the enlightened spiritual person, achieving union with God or something. Uh, I mean the Western Enlightenment tradition of rationalism, not faith, uh, scientism, not spirituality, individualism, not tradition. Uh, I'm talking about the enlightenment that wanted to, uh, you might say, drip the acid of reason onto everything. Uh, yes, I am a child of the Western Enlightenment. I mean, if you say something to me, anything to me, on any topic, I'm skeptical. Like, I'm skeptical before you've even finished speaking. I'm like, has that article been fact-checked? <laughs> was, that, was that scientific study a, uh, a double-blind placebo test? Because that's all I trust. I am a child of the Enlightenment. And on the one hand, uh, I'm grateful for that, for that inheritance, uh, because I think good, clear thinking is important. Uh, and yet, it is vulnerable. You see, having been born in the second half of the 20th century, uh, I'm also a child of what is known as the post-Enlightenment, or the post modern. That means after the modern, which means I'm so skeptical. I'm even skeptical of my skepticism. You see, you start off by perhaps becoming skeptical of either your or others, you know, religious beliefs. You know, all the assumptions you have that God is there, that Jesus was who he said he was. And, you know, you become an enlightenment person. You believe in your capacity for, you know, objectivity and reason and clear thinking. And, you know, you've left behind foolish, wishful thinking and all that. Uh, and for a time, uh, you're confident. You're confident in, in this newfound capacity to find the truth uh, and even to be good without God and religion and stuff and such. Uh, but then you keep studying and suddenly, maybe after reading Nietzsche, he will ruin the most secular among us. You realize that it was actually faith, faith in God. Uh, it, it, was, it was even a faith in Christian theology, which was grounding, which was giving a firm foundation to your entire search for what is good and what is true in the first place. And suddenly you understand that once you let go of God, then what you don't have is capital T truth, right? But simply uh, an unending multiplicity of lowercase t truths, all competing and jostling for supremacy. 
You realize there is no grand story to make sense of the world, not even scientism. There's just a bunch of foolish opinions masquerading as the truth. And honestly, the whole search for truth, it's sort of, it's sort of pointless. Because in the end, you know, what people, you know what people call the truth? It's just called popularity, right? It's whatever's trendy and popular at that time or whatever had the most power and dollars behind it. That's all there is to your foolish truth. And along with truth, eventually, you may not realize it at first, but eventually goes goodness and ethics. I mean, of course, you think people ought to be nice, but really, I mean, that's just your opinion. <laughs> I mean, who are you to say what is good for anyone else? I mean, you're the true skeptic. You know, you're skeptical of what others believe. You're skeptical of what you believe. It's just question marks all the way down. And you may not know it, but there is a concept for the creeping sensation that you're experiencing. And it's one of the great problems of our time. By great, I don't mean awesome. I mean tremendously influential. It's one of the tremendous problems of our time. Uh, and it's the word nihilism. Uh, nihilism means the rejection of belief in any and all aspects of human life, whether you're talking religious, philosophical, moral, political. It's, it's an extreme sort of skepticism about what? Everything. And if the, you might call the the Achilles heel, you know, the weakness of, of Christianity is doubt, you know, the thought, maybe I'm wrong. Well, then the Achilles heel of a postmodern, I'm so skeptical, I'm even skeptical of my skepticism, is nihilism. It, it's sort of like um, at first, you know, when you're questioning and maybe even sort of rejecting religious beliefs, it feels sort of meaningful, beautiful, good, true, important, until you realize that you've lost the very basis of truth, of beauty, of goodness, of meaningfulness, of importance at all. Yesterday, we've all got more than a little of the skeptic in us. A few weeks ago, I had um, a, a remarkable conversation with a friend, and uh, he's someone, he left the Christian faith of his childhood kind of behind many, many years ago, uh, and he knows about my own journey, um, how about 10 years ago or so, I nearly lost my own Christian faith as well. You could probably pick up on that from the <laughs> first part of this message, uh, but then he also knows that I came back. Uh, you know, to faith, to, to Christian faith. And he asked me, he said, how, how did you do it? Uh, he said, I just, I don't, I don't understand, man. Like, I just, I mean, I'm not, I'm not upset at you. I just, I don't understand how you can just believe. And it was interesting because I was sitting there and I don't remember if I actually said this out loud, but I remember thinking, I don't understand how you cannot believe. Because I can't speak for everyone, uh, but for all of the skeptic in me, I am at the same time a believer down to my toes. I mean, if I believe in anything, I believe that God is love. 
And I don't just mean love in the abstract as some sort of sentimental sweetness. No, I mean the kind of beautiful, challenging, selfless love that Jesus displayed. If I believe anything, it's that we should look out for each other, especially the poor, the, the elderly, the weaker ones among us. If I believe anything, I believe that no matter how far gone someone is, no matter how reprehensible or horrible the deed they have done, redemption can be had for them. If I believe anything, I believe that no matter what we may be facing, whether a pandemic or or sickness or global warming or racism or nuclear weapons or alcoholism, molestation, abuse, drug addiction, divorce, depression, I believe that nothing, no nothing can ever separate us from the love of God. If I believe anything, I believe that when Jesus said, I tell you, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. That when he died on the cross and said, Father, forgive them, they do not know what they are doing. I believe that was not weakness. That was what true strength looks like. It takes strength to love. It takes strength to forgive. It takes spiritual power to pray and show compassion to people who despise you. And if I believe anything, I believe that this world is not an accident. And that goodness and morality, the way we live and act and treat one another now, that it echoes for eternity. And if I believe anything, when I look at a cold, dead body, I believe that is not the end for them. I believe that death does not get the final word. And if I believe in all those things, then guess what else I believe in? Resurrection. And I don't mean resurrection as some sort of a metaphor for the timeless principle of death and rebirth. That's not Christianity. I mean the actual resurrection of Jesus from the dead. And the trust... Right, because that's what it is. It's, it's not certainty, the trust that what God has done for Jesus, he will one day do for you and me and all of creation. Because if Jesus is not resurrected, then a, a creeping nihilism really just might be the truest thing about the world. But because he is resurrected, it means that God really is love. That there really is hope. And that no matter what you are facing today, nothing, nothing can ever separate you from the love of God. And so on this Easter Sunday, I have no tips and tricks for your life. I have no take-home points or action items for you to implement. I simply want to name this. Jesus is risen. And that surprising truth changes everything.
Will you go ahead and bow your head with me? Um, perhaps you've found yourself in a place of um, intense skepticism and doubt. Or maybe as the years have passed, um, you might have simply just kind of drifted from really believing and then living as though you believe. And if that's you, then I want to invite you to pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, I trust that your resurrection is true. I trust that you are present to me now. Forgive my sins, my doubts, my pride, my ego. God, may nothing in my life ever be the same. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, I want to encourage you um, to reach out and let us know uh, so that we can make sure that you have the support and the encouragement um, that you need for your journey. So you can um, kick me or the table uh, a message on Facebook or um, email me, brett at thetabletx.org. That's B-R-E-T-T uh, at our web address. And um, I, I'd love to be in touch with you. So I love you all. Um, celebrate. Be glad. Uh, happy Easter.